21. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 1209. As you turn there, I want you to know what's great about John's letter is it uses simple and repetitive language to make its point known. Um, it doesn't use high or lofty or run-on sentences. It gets straight to the point, straight to the heart of the message, and this message is one of a call to action. It is a taking of the gospel truth and then saying, how do we apply this gospel truth to our lives? So I want us all to be prepared as we read this passage for a call to change and a call to work. Look with me as I read 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we may live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges Jesus as the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us. Before the creation of the world began, you predestined us in love. You sent your Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Although we did not love you, you loved us. And there is a call for us to love one another. Although we are weak, Although we are selfish, we know that the love that we should have for each other does not come from our own strength, but comes from yours. We pray as we focus on this pastors this morning that we can know, feel, and touch your love, and that we can love one another. In your name, amen. So what is love? Contestant number one, how do you find love? Follow your heart, Chris. That is probably said on every season, if not multiple times, of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. TV shows have been capitalizing off of the idea of love, and over 500 people have been contestants on the TV show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. 500 people trying to find love. Now, only 36 of those have made it to the final rose ceremony and have won. 
you want to call it that. But out of those 36, only four, only four have actually gotten to the altar and said to the other person, I will love you till the day I die. That is a less than 1% success rate for a show that is all about love. So is that love? Have all those people failed at their definition of love? Yeah. And now I think many of us know that the love that John is talking about in this passage is not the love of the TV show Variety. It is not even the romantic feeling type of love. No, he is not talking about the selfish type of love that expresses what we want in a relationship or we, what we want out of life, but he is talking about a godly love, a love that we are to have with the God of the universe and a love that we are to have with one another. However, we have to ask ourselves the same question that we ask the contestants. Have we failed at love? Have we failed at the love that we are called to? Because John is not writing this passage as a way to pat ourselves on the back and tell us that we've been doing a great job. No, as with all of Scripture, this is a call for us to examine our hearts, examine the places where we might be weak, but it's also a reminder of the overwhelming love of God and the love that He has for us. And then when we find that love, we find it as a foundation for how we are to apply it to our lives and apply it to our love for each other. So this morning we're going to look at two things. Yes, only two points this morning. How God is love and we are to love one another. So first, God is love. There is a depth to this love that we are to understand. And this is not, like we said, the love that is romantic. It's not the love you feel. It's not those butterflies and warm feelings when a crush sends you a note or for you, you younger generation, for them who text you, all right? It's not that type of love. It is not even the love of your favorite person or your little child looking up to you with those beautiful eyes and says, I love you, Daddy. It's some of, that's some of the best feeling in the world, but that's not the love that John is talking about. No, this is a godly love. This is a sacrificial love. This is a love that is never ceasing, that keeps no wrongs, that forgives and pursues those who hate it and wound and hurt it. This is a love that God has, and God loves you with this love. Do you know that? That God loves you. Just let that sink in for a second. That God loves you with a never-ceasing, never-giving-up, always and forever love. This is the love that God has for us. Is this the love that we have for Him and for each other? Have we really loved each other? Have we really loved our children as God has loved us? Have we really loved our parents as God has loved us? Have we really loved Christ's bride, the church, as God has loved us, where we are sacrificing for her to the point that feels like death and yet we don't cease? that we keep no records of wrong, that we don't complain about her beauty or even potentially her flaws, that we pursue her and those who wound us. Not I. It might not come as a great shock to all of you that I don't always have the most joyful and loving disposition when I enter the office every single day and even some Sundays. So I have failed at love. I have failed at loving you. 
And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can say that we have failed at loving each other as well. We have failed at the love that John describes, which means what he writes in verse 8 is true of us. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So what are we to do? There's a greater truth in this passage, the one that is repeated eight times over and over again, and the one that John presents to us in verse 10. Look right here in verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Right there is an acknowledgment from God that we have not loved Him, but He loves us. He wanted us, despite our sin, despite our failure, despite our unloving attitudes, despite the coldness of our hearts, God says, I love you. Despite us trying to find love in the things of this world and the things that cause death, God says, I will be the one who will love you first. And a pastor tells this story of his daughter who came home with a chocolate teddy bear from a gift exchange at school. And she puts it in her room, and she goes to school the next day. And as the mother is cleaning, she notices that her three-year-old son is missing. So she starts looking for the boy. And where do you think that boy is? He is in his sister's room. And she opens the door to the room, and he is caught red-handed, chocolate all over his face. And like a criminal, he backs into the corner, but he knows he's guilty, and he starts crying. And he says, Mom, I'm so sorry. And she goes, I know, but you're going to have to tell your older sister what you've done. So that afternoon, as minutes pass, which feel like hours, he's waiting, and the, and the pressure and the shame is building up, and he hears the doorknob jiggle. And even before she can get the door fully open, he runs to the door, tears streaming down his face with all the shame that has covered him. And he says, Sally, I'm so sorry. I ate your chocolate teddy bear. And it's quite a sad sight to see little kids who are really upset, right? There's snot all over their face, and, and they're just bawling, and they can't even, you know, they're breathing heavy, and that's what's going on. But thankfully, his older sister was one who always wanted to show love to her younger brother. And she gets down on a knee, and she hand, holds out her arms, and she goes, Johnny, I will love you always. And she gives him a big hug. And although tears are still streaming down his face from the stress of sin and the, the shame, he starts to giggle, and he starts to laugh because of the love that he experienced in spite of that shame. Why? Because there was a depth there was an understanding that he knew of his sin. He knew how wrong he was. He knew how guilty he was, and yet that was covered by love. That, that hole, that cavern that, that seemed to not be able to be fulfilled was filled with love. And that is the same love that we have from God. If we are able to understand, this is a wonderful picture of the nature of God of God and His love, that when we face the reality and seriousness of our sins, we rightly should be brought to tears and feel the weight of that sin and the, the pit of that shame. 
But that degree of desperation, that, that well that seems so deep, is covered by the love of God. It is covered by the one who will bring joy and say, I have loved you and will always love you. And even if your sin goes deeper, I will still continue to love you and always love you. And this is not just a quick, I love you. This is not a small gesture or a reminder of saying, I love you. But it is a real sacrificial work, a practical application of God's love because it was done and it was real and it was sent through the Son into this world so that we may know that although we are sinful, although we are broken, although we are hateful, although we don't love, we might live because of Jesus' love for us. His love took on our sin, took on our punishment. The hell that was guaranteed to come with it is now taken away because of his love. And his love was placed on us in spite of the fact of our sin, and our sin was placed on his son so that he might be a sacrifice. He might be put to death. He might atone and pay and cover our sins. And this is God's love for us, that God loves you, not because you've done the right things, not because you're a good person, or in any event that you try to love God. No, we did not love God, as the passage says, but this is my love for you. My dear child, although you run away, although you cause pain in my house, although you cause pain to others and have not loved them and have not loved me, I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to sacrifice my one and only son so that you may live. And not just live, but have life to the full. Experience the joy of my love, knowing that your sin has been covered. Your shame is covered. And we do not have to fear, but we get to rejoice. And in his love, he sent not just a note, not just a hallmark card, but he sent a son. He sent a physical representation of his love so that we may feel, know, touch, and experience God's love. And in his love, we need this love. In his love, we are to call out to him. As it says in verse 15, if anyone acknowledges Jesus as the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And this is a promise that is not done through our works or our actions or even our strength and our love for God that makes God love me, but it is a promise. It is a, it is a simple acknowledgement of that love and my need for him and his love that he loves me. And in this we get to place our confidence. We don't have to have fear because the God who loved us before we acknowledge him promises to love us even after we acknowledge him, even after we fail in our love for him. There is no fear in love because we no longer fear the ogre in the sky who has ready pronounced judgment on us, but we get to look up and see a father who says, I love you. I love you, my dear child. And verse 10, just imagine actually saying this to your very own child. It seems rather cold, but there's a promise hidden in it. Because verse 10, once again, says, This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us. Imagine saying that to your child. You haven't loved me, but I love you. It can seem rather cold. 
But the promise is there, and the promise is real, because when the dark times come, how can I trust my own heart? How can I trust my heart to stay faithful? Not only to God, but to those who I'm called to love. When I don't have a love for God, a love for His church, a love for His people, there's actually a promise. This promise is one in which I get to stand unashamed before God right now and on that day in glory. I get to stand going, God, I have not loved you. I have not loved you. And he goes, I know. I know. But I've loved you with a never-ending love. And it has never ceased. No matter how far your sin went, no matter how much shame you bore, my love was there. So right now, today, this moment, you can experience that love. Before we come to the Lord's table together, before we get to partake in God's love, know, call out to his love. Call out to God and know that God goes, I know, I know you haven't loved me, but I've loved you. Confess your sin. Know and feel the surpassing love of God. Now, this love is not just for us. It is not something that we are to keep private and personal, but this is a public love, much like the love that God displayed for us that we are to have for each other. For we must love one another. Now, this passage has a lot packed into it because even though it's very repetitive, even though it says to love one another, that's not an easy calling. And there's actually three aspects to that calling that we're going to see is that there's a foundation, there's a reason, and there's a way. So first, there's a foundation. Like we said, this passage has truth and a call to action. Before we jump into it, though, and say, okay, let me figure out all the ways that I can love someone, and let me do better, and let me try harder, we need to know that this love comes with a cost. And it is a hard one. It is a love that expects to love with no love in return. It is a sacrificial love. And this is the same love that God has shown us, and this is the love that we are to show one another. And although this calling is hard, it is not one that is meant to be from our own strength. It is a completeness given to us by God. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If the God who needed to secure my heart before I loved him, needs to be the God who will give me the heart to love those who don't love me back. He needs to be my foundation. He needs to be my strength. He needs to be my guide for loving others. Because what is so wonderful in this calling by God is he's not saying, go out on your own and love others. No, he's saying, go out and love others with my love. So that when loving others is hard, I will be the love. And when you are tired of loving others, I will be your strength. And when you don't see fruit in the loving of others, God says, I will be the one watering the seeds. Because we aren't just given a command to love one another. We are given a source of how to love one another, and that is the love of God. And as it says in this passage, that is the love that is made complete we are made complete when we find love in God and when we are able to love one another. Because loving people is hard, and it's a sacrifice. 
So our foundation needs to be one in which we don't point to ourselves and say, look how I've loved all these other people because it's not your love. Your love is weak, but God's is strong. It is one in which we present our love to one another, and it's not our love, but it's the love that we present from God so that when people look at us, it's because people don't need us. <laughs> you don't need me. You need Jesus. So that when people look at us, they don't say, look how much that person loved me. They must be really special. No, they say, look how much that person loved me because of how amazing their God is. So not only do we have a foundation in God, but the reason why we love is because of God as well. John is no doubt right, remembering what Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Not your prayers, not your songs, not your doctrine. No, you will be known by your love. So the reason why we love is because it reveals God's love. It shows God in our lives. Now the Pharisees were excellent keepers of the law. They knew the prayers, they knew the scriptures, they knew the rules, but they did not love. Is that us? Do we have the piety? Do we have the churchy actions and attitudes so that we know people can point and say, I, th I think they're a Christian, but we haven't done it in love? Do we know all the right Sunday school answers that a lot of people would point and say, I, I think they're a Christian, but we have not loved? Have we served enough? Have we volunteered enough so people will say, oh, they're, they're a good church member, but we didn't do it in love? and we're missing the point. The point is to love, and the only way we can do that, the only reason why we do this is because of God's love for us. Some of you probably know uh, the sign that is hung up in the University of Oklahoma and the University of Notre Dame. It's a sign that says, play like a champion today. And in the locker rooms, as the team is leaving to go out onto the field, they are supposed to look up at the sign that says, play like a champion today. They're supposed to hit the sign, and as they leave, it's supposed to be a reminder that that is how they're supposed to act and have their attitudes. Now imagine if we did that in our own homes, but the sign said, love like Jesus today. And as you were going out, you hit the sign, and you remembered how you are to live. Now, I'm not encouraging you to put that sign up. It's a little cheesy. But if we think just for a few minutes of that attitude, how radically different our lives would be if we really did love others like Jesus calls us to. Imagine for a second, instead of coming to church for your own personal worship time, you came with the attitude, I'm going to love someone else here today. Imagine if when you heard about a new Sunday school class or a new community group, you didn't think, I, I don't need that. But instead you thought, how can I go and love someone else there? How can I love the leaders? How can I love the teachers? Imagine the change of heart of when you were asked to participate in children's ministry. You didn't run through those lists of excuses you were prepared for, but instead you said, how am I called to love like Jesus? How can I love those children? How can I love those families? 
Imagine the difference in our actions. And this isn't just a church calling. This is a calling for our daily lives. Imagine the change of heart and the change of actions you would have if every morning when you got up for work, the thing you go to daily, you went with not a calling of doing a good job, of success, of money-making, of showing off, but instead you went with the attitude to love others. To love others. What would your work life look like? Students, imagine if you, when you went into your schools, instead of going with the intention of getting A's, you went with the intention of love. How radically different your school life would be. And it is so simple when we say, love one another. It seems rather easy to dismiss, but even taking these few minutes to reflect on how different our lives would be, how radical our lives would be if the goal of love was above every other goal in our lives. They will know you by your love. Let that be the reason for our life, for our ministry, for everything we do, be love. And God's goal in revealing his love for us is so that we might live. And our goal in revealing God's love to others is so that they may live. And we are called to love in a way in which God loves us. And that is a love that is more than words, it is actions. Because God is calling us to sacrificial love. He is calling us to love those who wound us, who hurt us, who use us, who cause us pain. He is calling us to love the unlovable and the unlovely. And I was in a seminary class, and, and one of the students asked the professor, what do we do about those people who take advantage of the generosity of our church over and over and over again? And they were specifically talking about those people who come and ask for money over and over and over again. And he responded in this way, he said, first, start with time. Give them time. Give them your time. Give them your conversations. Give them your resources of time, because time is the most costly resource to everyone. He said, money can cost people different things, but time, that is something that is sacrificial for everyone. So sacrifice your time for this person. Go to their homes, go to their places, get to know them. And he said, secondly, we have to ask the question ourselves, where do I take advantage of God? Do I go to God's church every day and ask for more love and more grace? Yes, I take advantage of God every day. So the question for us as a church is, are we going to show love in a way that God shows love for us? Are we going to sacrifice time, our most valuable resource, volunteering, getting to know new people, talking to that person who talks way too long? And are we going to be allowed to be taken advantage of? Is our love going to reflect God's grace and his love for us? Because through love, through our love, through God's love, we are going to be taken advantage of. They are going to be people who gossip about us even after we've forgiven them. There are going to be people who use you as a stepping stone at work because you seem weak in the way that you love others. There are going to be people who drop off their kids at our children's events simply for the free babysitting. But does God give us a certain amount of time 
before he gives up on us? No. Then love one another. Does God have boundaries on his love and grace? No. Then love one another. Does God only love him uh, love you if you love him? No. Then love one another. We must love one another with a foundation, not from our own strength, but from God's, and with a reason to show the world the love of God, and with a way in which we sacrifice and are seen as weak, and with the possibility that people will take advantage of that love. I consider it a privilege to be a pastor of this church. Many of you were here before I came, and some of you will be here after God might call me to another ministry or calls me home. God has loved this church. God loves you. God loves us. This church has helped, no doubt, tens of thousands of people through the preaching of the word, through its ministries, through the deacons and deaconesses, and it has all been done in a spirit of love. And that calling has not changed. We are to love one another with a never-ceasing, sacrificial love. So I know some of you have been here for years, and you might feel tired, and you might feel like, I've, I've done enough, but our calling has not changed. We still need to love with a never-ceasing, sacrificial love. And I know some of you are new, or some of you are nervous and scared and, and are kind of off into corners, but our calling has not changed, to love one another with a never-ending, sacrificial love. It is a joy and a love to serve alongside all of you. Let us love the world so that they may know the love of the Savior. Let our hearts not grow cold to the love of God, especially his sacrifice for us, and let our hearts not grow cold to loving one another with that sacrificial love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Let us